I was probably in uh, kindergarten or first grade. Um, it was a Sunday morning. My family, we were on our way, uh, so I lived right next door, basically, to St. Mary's uh, in Raceland. Um, we were on our way, getting ready for church, uh, and something that had never happened to me happened that morning. My mom stopped me at the door, and she looked at me, and she said, empty your pockets. Now, we were on our way to our normal Sunday Mass, and up to this point, um, I was able to bring uh, a couple of little Hot Wheels cars with me to church on Sunday. But my mom basically had said, now you're old enough, it's time to grow up, no more bringing cars. So she said, empty your pockets. Rabbit ear in my pockets, and sure enough, my two favorite cars in my hands. She says, put them on the counter, let's go. Now, you would think that I went to church and I was able to just focus and pay attention to every word that the priest said that day. You would be wrong. All I did was sat for an hour in church trying to figure out how am I going to smuggle my cars in next week. Sure enough, next week comes around, mom stops me at the door, empty your pockets. Pull my pockets out, nothing but lint, all good. She says, great, good job, awesome. She was so proud of me, and it lasted for about 10 minutes. We get into the car, we get to the church, we sit down for the readings, and I'm just sitting there staring at my mom. She's looking at me like, what, what's going on? Like, what's wrong? And I'm just staring and staring. And then all of a sudden, my little hand started to just creep down my leg, and in both of my socks, I had my two favorite cars. So whenever I pulled them out, I put them in my hands, I kind of gave my mom a look, and I went, like, gotcha. <laughs> that was not smart. She, in the, most, in the most odd, oddly satisfying and yet scary voice, looked at me with a smile on her face and fury in her eyes and said, have fun. So I did. I listened to her. I played with those cars. I was going up and down the pews, rolling the cars in my sister's face, like doing all kind of stuff. It was great. Best time at Mass I had ever had at that point. It was great. We come up for communion. We're on our way back to the pew. And I feel a claw of rings and fake nails jab into my shoulder as she turns me towards the door when I go to get into the pew. And sure enough, we walked out the church and corporal punishment ensued from the front of the church doors to the car, from the car to the house. And when we got out at the house, because we were so close to St. Mary's, we get out the car, I'm crying, she grabs me, she puts me down on my knees, she said, stay right here in a gravel driveway. And she pointed at me and said, and you don't get up until everybody leaves that church. People were gathering after Mass and talking and visiting. And then this little echo of an eight-year-old's voice screaming, Go home! <laughs> My mom was ten feet behind me smoking a cigarette, still holding the bulletin, fanning herself, saying, Scream louder, they can't hear you. <laughs> now why do I bring this up? <laughs> if you can make that work in a homily, you're really good, right? A second reading today is a very interesting reading. For what son is there whom the Father does not discipline? We hear about the discipline of God. We hear from the, book of the, we hear from the letter to the Hebrews 
about disciplining. All discipline seems as a cause not for joy, but for pain. Yet later it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I know as a kid, I, I, I found everything to do in church except pay attention. And from that moment on, I stopped playing around. There was never a question of if I was going to bring another car to church. My mom believed in you know, public displays of, of, of brutality. But, but regardless, they, there, was a, there, there was never a question of if I was going to bring another car to church. Because I learned my lesson, the hard way, admittedly, but I learned my lesson that this was something that was more important. As a, 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 in, the, in the spiritual life, I think, oftentimes, we might see either, either a time where we feel like God might be distant from us. There might be a time where we feel like, yeah, I can do it later. I'll, I'll get plugged into my faith later. There could be times where we feel like, you know what, I was close to God at one time, but now I'm just going to kind of scale back and Sunday's good enough. That these things might happen to us and we might just fall out of discipline. You know, the discipline that God offers us. The way in which God is asking us to just push through trials, to push through struggle. I think that when it comes to this concept of discipline, there are maybe three ways that we can look at it. Discipline for the sake of someone else. Discipline simply for the sake of myself. Or discipline for the sake of God. Discipline for the sake of something else looks like you don't bring cars to church, right? It looks like you, you, um, you make your bed, otherwise you get time out, spanking, on your knees, pun punished, whatever. You wash the dishes, you do your chores, you do the things that you're supposed to do because there's a punishment that somebody else is in charge of. And if I don't do my job, then I'll be punished. Discipline for the sake of ourself, maybe some, some personal enrichment, might be, I set a certain standard, I set a certain goal, and I'm willing to do the stuff to achieve it. This semester I want to get a 4.0. I'm willing to study to achieve it. This semester, I want to undo the freshman 15. I'm willing to do the stuff to achieve it. Maybe I, I, I want to learn a particular thing. I want to do a particular thing. I want to grow and I want to rise in my job or in my sorority or in my club, whatever it is. I want to achieve a certain thing. I make a deal with myself and I'm willing to make the sacrifices and do the things that I need to achieve it. Those are good things. But the, the motivation is ultimately a selfish one. Could be a good thing, but still, the motivation is ultimately for myself. Finally, discipline for the sake of God. These are the things that we have to kind of lean in oftentimes. We have to really lean in and recognize that there might be trials, there might be struggles that are too big for us to handle by ourselves, and maybe, just maybe, we need to rely on God to work. Maybe I, I can't be in control. And giving up control can be scary. And I've got to ask God, can you step in and fix this? Maybe fighting with a habitual sin. 
struggling with a relationship that maybe I should or should not be involved in at all, but I'm there. Discipline for the sake of God is leaning into a relationship with God and allowing Him to work and His grace to lead us. You see, today's, God, today's second reading from the, book of the, book to the, from the letter to the Hebrews, this is what we're hearing. To hear the context of the letter to the Hebrews, we have to understand that what the, who the author is writing to the early Christian converts from Judaism. And these early Christian converts from Judaism to Christianity would have been dealing with some pressure. Maybe a little bit of time had passed and they were very, very excited at one time when they were hearing Jesus' message. They were following, the, they were listening to the apostles. They were following the commandments. They were doing all the things and listening to all the lessons and trying to incorporate them into their life and they were doing it to their full. And then sooner or later, something happened where it just got stale. It started to get a little bit stale. They were, maybe they weren't as excited about it. Maybe a couple of months they didn't practice it as well as they should have. And now, they find themselves being discouraged. They find themselves still within their old communities, many of whom their families probably didn't convert. Their families probably putting pressure on wondering, why are you turning away from the faith that we that we've professed for generation upon generation, and now all of a sudden this new hotshot Jesus is here and you want to listen to him? There was some discouragement, some staleness that had set in. The words, though, that the author of today's letter says to them, My son, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord. Endure your trials as discipline. God treats you as sons. Every one of us is going to have trial upon trial in our life. If it hasn't happened yet, it's coming. Every one of us is going to feel, is going to feel the burden of some kind of suffering, some kind of trial that's laid out in front of us. Might be starting a semester and hey, I, I was on fire for the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit and I was on fire for the Lord before we left, and in the last two months just have not been good to me. Maybe it's the excitement of a new relationship that's like rooted in the faith, and they're like you come to mass together and it's awesome and it's beautiful, and then one boundary's crossed and it feels like it's all going to hell. Maybe it's a semester that just my, my, my curriculum, my, my classes just, it's not job, it doesn't work with me. And for some reason I feel a tension in something that I might have been sure of before. Every one of us is going to deal with some kind of trials. But the encouragement today is, is not to look at these trials as simply just these hurdles that we have to try and white-knuckle our way over, that we have to try and figure out a way around. But instead, it's a place where we can rely on God's grace and invite Him in. If not, we can find ourselves just growing stale, stagnant, bored. That's one of the things about our Gospel today. 
that I'm really, that, that I think is beautiful. That after the master of the house has risen and locked the door, they will stand outside and knock saying, Lord, open the door for us. And he will say, I do not know where you are from. Like there's an urgency in the Gospel of Luke that we hear spoken from Jesus. That there's an urgency to start to live the faith because at some point the door closes. And you will say, and we ate and drank in your company and taught in your streets. Like, Lord, I I went to Mass. And his response will still be, do not know where you are from. You see, for all of us here, the trials that we have can be moments of just kind of killing momentum, kind of discouragement. But ultimately, the Lord still says, I want you to have a sense of urgency in your relationship with me. I can't tell you how many friends that I had when we were in high school and college that that looked and said, you know what, I'm going to figure out the whole faith thing later. I've got time right now. I don't have to worry about it. I'll figure it out later. Many of them still haven't figured it out. Our call to, as a Christian is to first and foremost rely on the Lord. To develop and to build those disciplines in our life that will continue to allow Him to dispose us to His grace and allow Him to speak to us and to be with us and to guide us. To make us sensitive to His promptings in our life. That's why today when we come to this Mass, we celebrate a Mass of the Holy Spirit. Because God wants to work in every one of your life in a particular and unique and profound way. Tonight and this semester. That He wants to continue to have you grow in a relationship with Him that doesn't just change your outlook on a class or on a relationship or on prayer. But He wants to change you to be more like Him. And that's an ongoing process. An ongoing purifying through trial. An ongoing building up in grace for the rest of our life. May today, as we come to this Mass, we find ourselves open and ready to receive His grace. Ready to act upon it. Ready to continue to go forward despite the trials, despite those small disciplines, that, those moments that we might feel like we're burdened or it's too heavy. But knowing and focused on the Lord that we continue to grow. thing is, it's really easy to talk about this on, a, on an abstract level and make it sound prettier than it actually is because this is not fun. <laughs> There's a lie in Christian, in Christian circles that um, accepting God, Jesus as your Lord and Savior all of a sudden fixes everything and that's a crock of bull, just letting you know. But instead, allowing the Lord to reveal Himself to us and this purifying that we continue to go through is meant to prepare us so that we only desire Him and nothing else. That we only find our fulfillment in Him and in nothing else. It, it brings about a deeper thirst for Him, and that nothing else can satiate. St. Teresa of Avila said one of my favorite quotes of all time around this. When she was dealing with some suffering in her life, her response to the Lord in prayer was, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. We're all called to be purified 
to be melted down so that we look and sound and speak and live just like Jesus. May today as we come to this Mass, the trials of our life that, that may face us right now or in the future, that we may face them not simply as things that we have to try and get over or clear, but more as moments of encounter with the Lord, that He may continue to carry us through and to form us to look, sound, and be more like Him. Amen.